namesake. Got a chance this week to uh, get away yet again. Wife and I went down to Florida, spent some time with family members, just had a wonderful time, you know. Uh, and I, I was thinking, someone said a while back, I heard someone says, well, you know what? I don't ever take vacation time. The devil don't take a vacation. I don't take a vacation. When someone wisely responded, well, the devil was never my example. Christ rested on the seventh day. That's my example. Amen? So we got a chance to relax and really spend time rebuilding and renewing because it is important. It is important. It is important. And that's a whole nother scripture where Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. So, I want to look at, for his name's sake, to let you know, just as we have a role, Christ has got a stake in every one of us. Now, you've got to say that to yourself. Christ has got a personal stake in the life of every believer. Now, the devil don't want you to know that because he wants you to think that you're out there all on your own, that God don't know what you're going through. He doesn't really care. He's just great big being up in the sky. And he's not really concerned about the intricacies of our lives. But I want to show you this morning that God has got such a stake in our lives that it would leave you charged in understanding who you are. Now, I want to look at the life of, a, of, a, of this person in the Bible briefly, and we're going to tie this into how God looks at us. I want to look at this man. His name was Jephthah. Now, there was a time in the Bible uh, before they had kings and so on where uh, they were ruled by judges. Where different times throughout the history of the children of Israel, God would raise up a man or a woman, you know, to lead his people. Deborah was one of them. Amen. Powerful name. But this morning, I want to look at Jephthah. Now, if you would, turn with me to Judges chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. Judges chapter 10. And the children of Israel said unto the Lord, we have sinned. Do thou unto us whatsoever seemeth good unto thee. Deliver us only, we pray thee, this day. Verse 16. And they put away the strange gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. So we see there the plight of the children of Israel and his if you read the, whole, the Old Testament, you will discover that this was a reoccurring plight. God shows himself mighty on their behalf. They sinned and messed up. But I wanted to take it from this part just to show you uh, how much of a stake God has got in our lives by looking at their lives. So we see they're just sinned. They came to God. They repented. But the Bible says, and his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. All right? Now, the Bible says we were created in the image and the likeness of God, correct? In case you didn't know this, God has got emotions. Amen? 
There's a scripture that says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. There's another scripture that says I am a jealous God. So God has got emotions. He's shown he's a God that has emotions. Right? And we see here, God was grieved even though the children of Israel messed up and they came back. If you read the preceding verses, they were going through a lot. And the Bible says even though they messed up, even though God allowed certain things, it says here his soul was grieved because of the misery of Israel. Now, here's a principle you need to understand. Even when you mess up and sin and fall away from God and things start to happen in your life, God is never there on the sidelines saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you're going down. No, he is grieved. When the enemy is allowed to attack us. Now, here's something else. I told you about these laws that God has put in place that he even himself would not intervene. One of them, which we said the last time, is that the earth was created for us, for us to dominate. Amen? For us to run the show. And even though the enemy cast that old filthy devil down, he did not take the authority from us. I think that was like the greatest punishment for the devil. Like, watch this. You know, you, these people, I, I created them lower than you, but I'm going to show you with the weakest, with my spirit and my presence, they will crush your head. Amen? Amen. So now we see that in our sufferings, now I, I need you to understand this. Not just because oftentimes, there's sometimes we're going to suffer for goodness, for righteousness sake. But then there's sometimes we're going to suffer because of our own hard heads. And God showed that even when we suffer because of our own hard-headedness, he still grieves. Amen? It hurts God. Now, let's look at how God fits into the scheme of his name. Now, I want you to look at, uh, we, we're going to go to Judges next. Judges 11, 15, 11 verse 5. Now, I was going to read... Uh, verse 10 and show you Caleb, but I'm going to tell you about it. You could look in uh, verse in chapter 10 and read the story of, of Jephthah. So what happens, Jephthah came from a, a large family, but his mother, his father was a very, you know, established man. But Jephthah's father went out of the marriage and had relationship with the harlot. A prostitute. And from that relationship, she got pregnant and had Jephthah. Now, looking on just right there from the onset, you would think, my God, okay. You know, oftentimes as believers, we have this notion to sometimes think, well, God, you know, forgiven myself, I could say, well, God, I was born into a, 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 a godly family, you know. How dare you use such and such? He wasn't raised like I was. He wasn't born like I was. My dad, this, such, 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 now. But God is saying, look, he told uh, uh, Samuel, he says, man looks on the outward. But he says, I look on the heart. Amen? So then we see here, Jephthah was born. So what happened? His father died. And all his brothers came together and said, you know what? We are legitimate. You are not. You know? All this wealth, daddy left us. We don't want you taking part of this. So they kicked him out. Boom. Literally, like, you got to go or we will kill you. So Jephthah fled for his life. Now, 
Judges 11.5, let's look at this quickly. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. Now, the preceding verses we see there that, John, that Jephthah, he ran to this place called Tob. Now, I'm building something for you. I need you to stay with me. When you look up the meaning of the place Tob, it means good. He went to a place after being rejected and kicked out to a place where he thought he was just running to get to save his life, and the place meant good. Talk about divine orchestration. Many of you, you're going to encounter things in your life. I think to throw this in. We're on the outset, just from what you could see, all hell, as it would seem, has broken loose on your life. Amen? Sometimes you might feel like, I got to get away from this situation just to breathe, not knowing when you stand for righteousness, God has already got it set up for your blessing. Not every time Christ has come to your life, you know, I've heard people say all kinds of stuff. Well, it's God trying to test me. The mere notion of trying to test something means I don't know what it's made of. When I was in college, you go to lab to perform a test. You had your, your, your hypothesis and the theory, and then you try to prove it. Meaning you don't know the outcome, but hopefully by your test, it will show you. God don't need that. He knows. Amen? In the scripture in James, he says, don't let any man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God or tempted by God. God don't need to tempt me or to tempt you to know what we're made of. He knows. Right? What happens? Someone says, I heard someone says, pressure either makes or breaks you. But that's not really true. All pressure does is reveal what's inside of you. Amen? If I got a stick in my hand, the amount of pressure it takes to break that stick is going to be relative to the kind of material that's inside of that stick. A hollow stick, I'll be able to snap it with no problem. But a stick that is strong, that is firm, it takes a whole lot more pressure. Amen? So when you feel pressure on your life, that is not time for you to sit around having a pity party. Oh, God, why you allow this? Why? Take it to show your inner fortitude. To show the devil. Devil, you may be bringing this to me for one reason, but don't you understand I bear the signature of God? Don't you understand that I am legally sanctified, bonified, justified son of God, just like Christ? And the next time you come to mess with me, you're going to remember this time. Come on. You've got to be tenacious against the devil. Amen? I am tired of seeing Christians every time the devil roars. We want to back up. The Bible says he goes around seeking whom he may devour. Amen. Yes, he's got a roar. People says he's got a roar, but he don't have any teeth. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. People are being destroyed every single day. So don't tell me the devil just got a roar and no teeth. Yes, he does. But you know what? Yeah, he goes around. But understand that you've got the lion of, oh, hallelujah. He goes about like a lion, but he's not the lion. We have got the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. 
There can only be one king and we got him. So we've got to start living that way. So we see here, so Jephthah's thinking, all this pressure's coming from me. I'm running. I just need to breathe. I, God, you know, you have one of those weeks where it seems like everything is coming at you. And you're saying, God, I just need to get away for a little bit. Oh, my goodness. The enemy is coming after me on every side. And God is saying, come, come. Don't worry. I see what the enemy is doing, but I, got, I already got it figured out. All I need you to do is to stand for righteousness. Because in the first verse, it says Jephthah was a man of valor, a man of righteousness. Yeah. Amen. That should always be our concern. God, how am I standing in relationship to you? But what happens to us? The enemy tries to bring all kind of, you know, someone gave this illustration. And I don't know, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. They said back in the, in the days of the American Indians, what they would do, they would converge on a village or a town. And they invented these fiery arrows where they would put fire on the arrows, where they would have like a group of them prepared to attack. But they would send others all around and they would shoot these arrows all into the village. So what happens when the, your huts and your, 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 your building starts on fire, then you, you're trying to put this fire out. Everything is ablaze. You're trying to, wait a second, we can't lose the grain and the food and everything. And once you're distracted putting out the, flyer, the fires, they can move in for the kill. Amen? The enemy is still using that tactics in God's house today, in his family. Amen? When he puts fires, you've got to remember. That is like I said, once again, that is just a fire. But I have got the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Amen? And the flame that I have, we, th we sang that song this morning, set our hearts on fire. We've got to live like walking infernos. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what a fire comes in contact with. If it's hot enough, it has got to come down. You know, they said about the, the Empire State Building when they fell. I was talking to an engineer friend of mine. And he began, we were talking about the mangled steel. And he said, do you know, he said, steel at 17, I think 1700, uh, 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 1700 degrees, it loses its integrity. It begins to fold and bend. Amen. Oftentimes, we don't understand that <laughs> as a child of God, when you walk with God like the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, it doesn't matter how hot the enemy brings the fire. With Christ inside of you, you will never be able to bring it hot enough to, to break the integrity of who you are. You understand this? You've got to know that, devil, I am made of this kind of material. There's certain things, if I put it in the fireplace and I leave it in there, two weeks, three weeks later, I come back and pull it out, it'll be just fine. There's other things I put in there, in two seconds, poof, it's gone. As Christians, as believers filled with the anointing and the power of God in our life, when the enemy brings the heat, with Christ inside of us, we should be able to walk into any flame, look at the enemy and says, now, watch my fire. Watch the fire I've got. In the name of Jesus, you've got to bow down because I am a child of God. And you've got to live this way. Now, I, I, I'm just, my wife probably wouldn't want me to give this illustration, but. So we were going all week long. We walked in the house last night. 
And we walked in, it was we're like, oh my goodness, inferno, hot. <laughs> I mean, I was like, oh God. So the first thing I did, I walked over to the thermostat. I said, no, I said it. it looked, the thermostat was still set, but the inside degree was like 87 degrees. I felt the vent, it was blowing, but not cool. Of course, by that time, it was almost 11 o'clock. I said, now, I could try to call the uh, air conditioning guy, but coming out this time of the night, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, I will be paying <laughs> really bad. So while processing all this stuff, me and my wife, we began to talk. And immediately, immediately, the Holy Spirit began. He says, now, you've been preaching all this stuff. Once again, another example. So I was like, Oh, well, it's part of my authority. So I put my hand on the vent, and I began to pray. In the name of Jesus, I command you now, whatever is wrong, to be fixed, and I didn't want cold air. So we went to sleep, and still blow. Hot. <laughs> I got up this morning, began praying, you know, putting in my final touches, hearing from God of any last things for this message, and I began to pray. And it came to me once again, exercise your authority. So I begin more earnestly. I begin to, in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, I command you, because I have this authority, I command you to blow cold air. Lo and behold, I'm praying, and a few minutes later, I walked in there, and my wife was like, you know the air is blowing cold. I was like, really? I, I ran over there to the unit. I'm, like, oh my God, it is blowing cold. Amen. She had already started calling. We had to open some windows. And she was, I closed the windows in the bedroom because it's blowing cold. And I just began to thank God. That's right. Now I'm going back home this afternoon. I'm expecting it to still blow cold. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean I'm any special than anyone else here? No. All I'm saying is every day of my life, I take this stuff seriously, amen? It is not just about me looking good or standing before you. Listen, I am serious when it comes to God. I am serious when it comes to who God says I am. I told myself years ago, I will not live a single day more on the privileged. I want what God says is for me, and I want to live that way. Why? Because that is how he gets the glory. Don't you understand? When we live as powerful beings, God gets glory. It's not for us because he could sit back and say, devil, what I told you. There you go. There's another one. There's another one taking spiritual dominion. So we see there he went to this place and still God blessed him. Right? Now, 1 Samuel 12 verse 22 1 Samuel 12, no, you know what? I, I, I didn't give you that one, which is fine. I've got so many scriptures I taught myself this morning. I'm, I'm not going to give you all of them. But in 1 Samuel 12, 22, you could write that down. We see Jesus said, he will not forsake his people for his name's sake. Right? You write that down. Now, we said it earlier that we are an investment in, of God, Right? God has got something invested in your life. Pastor Tim touched on this uh, Sunday before last when he used the illustration of a pen. And you know, a couple of weeks before that, 
I was having my personal time with God, and God, the Holy Spirit spoke a word to me. He says, value added. You know that there's things like the value added text? There's things in your life that the value of that thing could only be determined by you. Right? Now, Pastor, give the example of the pen. A regular pen, you might think nothing wrong with it, but if you heard this pen was used by JFK to sign a document or something, it might increase, but still not necessarily so. You may come and say, oh, man, I want that pen. I might walk up to the pen. Okay, so it still means nothing to me. So the value of something is determined by who's paying for it. Amen? For instance, one person might walk into a showroom. You know, we were in Florida, and I happened to turn on the TV, and I saw about this guy who had just bought a $350,000 McLaurin. Bought it one day, and the very next day he wrecked it. So now, for one guy, he may walk into there and say, oh, my goodness, that car, yeah, that is worth $350,000 of my money. I can promise you right now. I wouldn't be walking in there saying, let me try to get a $350,000 loan to get that McLaurin. Why? The value of it is completely different based on me and him. Right? Now, on top of that, according to how much you put into something, it determines the value or the stake you have in it. Right? For instance, if you walk out of here and get your shoes scuffed, or, 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 or maybe you had a shirt that you uh, 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 bought, you know, you pay like $10, $12, $15 for the shirt. If something gets on it, okay, well, all right. Even if it gets stained where you can't clean it, it's, you spend $10 for it. You have something that you spent $100,000 for. You ever see people with their expensive cars and toys? Like, man, don't, don't even lean against my car. <laughs> you know? Get all kind of alarms on it, you know. Like, I want to see if my car is good. The Holy Spirit began to show me. He says, you want to know the kind of investment that I have in your lives? From the Old Testament all the way to Revelation, we see of God showing just how much he loves us. If that wasn't enough, we see the fact that Christ died. And like I said before, sometime I'm going to share that message with you what he went through on the cross. The Bible says on this side of heaven, we can't even understand the agony Christ went through to bear the sin, and then that we, we, we just can't imagine that. And he says, that is the kind of investment I've put into your life. Now think about something that you've invested your life in. What kind of extent will you go to protect him? The next time the enemy runs up on you talking about he's going to kill you, you need to remember this. Look, don't you understand the God of gods? The king of kings, the master of everything, laid his life down for an investment for my life. Do you think he's about to just let you run upon me like this? Don't you understand the stake God has got in your personal being? I'm talking about a bloody stake, a life, a life, not just any life, a blameless life, a sinless life was paid so that you could now 
stand and proclaim in the face of anything the enemy throws you who you are. Now, we are that investment. I'm going to give you some scriptures which I, I didn't even put, but it's important that you understand these. Right? Ezekiel, we sang this morning, these are the days of Ezekiel, dry bones becoming his flesh. Ezekiel showed a lot of the relationship, how God views us, right? Several of them that I just jotted down that I didn't even give her, just, just, just so you could understand. Ezekiel 20, 19, he says, but I, I did this for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen, right? Ezekiel 20, 14, he says, but I did this for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen, and in whose sight I brought them out. All right? We're going to explain what's going on here. He says in Ezekiel 20, 22, Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and did it for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen, in whose sight I brought... Repeated theme, right? Now, if you read Ezekiel chapter 20, we see God speaking to his people. And he began telling them, he began accounting all the times they messed up. And he said, I came and I wanted to destroy you. But he says, I did not, not because of you, but because of my name's sake. He says, I saw when you disobeyed me. But you know what? Because I identified with you in front of everybody. He says, when you mess up. I'm still, oh my goodness. He says, I was with you when you were riding high, and now you've fallen because of your own hard-headedness. I want to let you know my love and grace and mercy has not stopped. I'm still, all of this, he said, not for you, but because of my name's sake. Now, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. That's what we're going to read together. Verses 19 through 26. Ezekiel chapter 36. God speaking, he says, and I scattered them among the heathens, and they were dispersed through the countries. According to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. All right, read on. And when they entered into the heathen, whether they went, they profaned my holy name. Now, we're talking about the name of Jesus, the name of God. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his hand. <laughs> but I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Let's read on. Amen. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen wherever you went. Hallelujah. Let's read on. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you or ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know what? That I am the Lord, saith the Lord 
God when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Let's keep on going. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and I will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Hallelujah. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Last verse, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, here's what's happening. God showed them, he says, I'm showing you how you continually messed up. Now, the first time I read this, the Holy Spirit began to give me this, this, this example. Think about it, parents. Sometimes your kids are going to mess up. Absolutely bring you distress. Right? But even when they mess up, they're still your kids. And even when you're dealing with them, here is something most parents are not going to have. Watch this. So your son or your daughter mess up. In the midst of, you might be giving them a beating, you might be talking to them. That is you. You are their parents. You love them. But how it is, when you're talking to your child, how do you feel when somebody, the neighbor across the street, yeah, let me put my two cents in. You'll be like, look, hold up now. Wait a minute. Though they messed up, I'm going to take care of this. They are mine, and don't you get it twisted because, oh my goodness. God told them, and he told the enemy, look, I know you're going to fall in your life. There's going to be times you're going to utterly mess up, but don't get it twisted. You are still my son and my daughter, and my name is still a stake. He says, I will not have the enemy on the sideline thinking, God, well, that's your son. Let me move in for the kill. No. He says, even though you messed up, I am willing to do all of this for my great name. You've got to understand, that is the state God has got in our lives. God don't want nobody messing around. That's why I know it how the Holy Spirit feels. It grieves my heart, and I know it grieves the heart of God when he sees his people who bear his name. We bear the name of God. When the enemy is eating our breakfast, our lunch, and our dinner, and coming around for snack time, it grieves and breaks the heart of God. Why? Because you're not just anybody. You're not just a stray. You're not just adopted. You're not just a red-headed stepchild. You are bonified, the sons and daughters of God, and you've got his name. And it pleases him when you live that way. Now, the last verse I wanted to look at. One that we've looked at all the time. The 23rd Psalm. We've read this many times before, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? Why? For his name's sake. And in case you were wondering why God does all that, it's not just because we are big and bad. It's not just because we have the best looking church. It's not just because we have the best uh, family. It is because of his name. 
He says, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Second Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. He's always looking. God is always looking for the man and woman that says, God, for you I live, for you I die. He's always looking. That's why when the enemy came to him with Job, he says, hey, God says it. God initially says, have you considered my servant, Job? How about it, if God could be saying that about you or me? Have you considered my son, Frank? Have you considered my daughter, Jessica? Put your name in that place. That God, there's no way to describe it except to think of a parent. Or even better yet, the manager of the best prize fighter there is. I remember back in the days when, when, when different ones have made, I remember whenever Mike Tyson rose to the top and his manager, Don King, everybody knows that fellow. He would be excited looking for anybody that wants to fight Iron Mike. God is walking around. The Bible says every single day looking to and fro. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking for someone to say, God, here I am. Game on. God, here I am. I might not be the biggest. I might not be the baddest. But here I am. God, I might not have come from the most wealthy family, but here I am. God, I might not have the best job, but here I am. God, I may not be the most eloquent, but here I am. God, I might not be able to stand and speak in front of thousands, but here I am. And I know in your hands I can be another battle axe to slay the enemy. I want to be, be another Jephthah in your hands. I want to be another Samson in your hands. I want to be who you've called me to be. As we read on the story there, we see that after Jephthah was kicked out, after he was exiled, they went to bring him back, the same one that they kicked out. And the Bible says that Jephthah brought about another deliverance for Israel. Why? Not because he had the greatest mom or the greatest family, but because his heart was right before God. I want to challenge you this morning, believers. Every single day, stop measuring your life to everything else. You know, we we are so good at doing that. We measure our success by how the next door neighbors are doing, what kind of cars in our yard or house, you know, what kind of house we live in. We measure our success by how many degrees we have. We measure our success by whatever. I want you to begin to measure your success by how well you represent the name of Jesus. Young people, begin to measure your life by that. As you prepare into finishing high school and going off to college, measure yourself by how well do you stack up to who God says you are. Because I promise you, when you stack up with God's and you walk as who he's called you and created you to be, nothing, the Bible says nothing, no one, not a single trick of the enemy will be able to come and stand before you. Father, Amen. I give you praise this morning. 
I want to worship you, God, for your word. I want to give you praise for who you are. You've shown us, God, that you are concerned about how we represent your name. For that reason, you have given us every single tool to live lives of the overcomer. You've welcomed us into your kingdom and you've given us the keys to the kingdom, your kingdom. And you said that whatsoever we bind on this earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever we loose on this earth shall be loosed in heaven. I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus this morning that you will continue to teach us by your spirit that we may be true representatives and we will live honorably representing the name of Christ in the name of Jesus. We pray and we declare it. All God's people say amen. amen. Come on, stand with me and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.